That's how you do it. All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, and uh, pretty stoked today to be on the line with the Mr. Paul Forward down in Girdwood. Um, and uh, Paul's, I hadn't, have never met Paul actually, but uh, we've been we've been chatting a lot recently about uh, you know about rain gear of all things. And uh, turns out Paul Paul's got a lot of pretty a lot of cool stories and does a lot of cool stuff. Um, uh, yeah, so this is kind of a kind of a good opportunity for me to get to know you and other people as well, Paul. Um, why don't you? Uh, I, I mean, I really don't know any of your background, so it'd be cool to hear some of that. And uh, obviously, you're into hunting and fishing and stuff like that, as well as uh, is like kind of extreme backcountry skiing type stuff. Oh, I don't know if I'd call it extreme, but I spent a lot of time in the mountains in the winter um, going skiing for sure. Definitely more extreme than me. <laughs> um well hey tyler um i uh i grew grew up in eagle river and uh you know my my family was real active doing outdoor stuff um particularly um my dad is real passionate about bow hunting and uh so i just kind of grew up in a family with a couple of brothers and a dad who were really into that stuff and a mom who was real supportive of it so um that's just kind of always been the foundation kind of our family culture and then I got into doing lots of other stuff, um, particularly um, whitewater kayaking and backcountry skiing as a pretty young teenager. And that kind of, that and the bow hunting thing just kind of followed me through my life. Um, and so uh, these days I live, uh, live down in Girdwood with my wife, Erin, and our little uh, 11-month-old baby named Ren. Nice. And uh, we, uh, I, work, I work part-time up in... Um, up in Kotzebue, uh, mostly mm-hmm. covering the ER. I'm a family family medicine doctor by training. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, and uh, and and then in the winter I work um, about about twelve weeks straight, kind of seven days a week, um, guiding uh, backcountry skiing uh, by a helicopter here in Girdwood. Um, kind of go every day. It's basically, it's basically a heli skiing operation. Nice. And uh, we go uh, we try try to go seven days a week. If we can, and of course that's over now. We ended about a month ago because of this um, pandemic. But um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the the scoop, kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, and uh, I remember you mentioned to me you'd been uh, pretty much exclusively uh, traditional bow hunting since since you were a kid, right? Um, your dad was into bow hunting. Is he? I I just you know try to compare my my myself to all that. I remember my dad always shot a recurve and. Even though I'd get like hand-me-down compounds, he'd never let me use sights. And so, you know, once I got older and, and worked through a short compound phase, I kind of gravitated towards the trad bow stuff. How about you? Yeah, I said I said this once before, and my dad heard me say it. But uh, I kind of, my dad was recurve guy his whole life. He's 76 now and still is, you know, it's only ever, I don't think he shot a compound bow once in his life. And, um, I always said it's cause he was cheap cause he just yeah. didn't want to, when his buddies got a compound, he was like, ah, this is good enough for me. Yeah. And then later on it became more a matter of like pride and, you know, he loved, he loves archery and he loves the bows. I'm, I'm kind of giving him a hard time a little bit, but, um, but I don't know. I was, I was pretty into it. I think most kids kind of, you know, a lot of kids want to kind of be like their dad. And so, um, I, when I was little, I decided that that was the path for me and, um, 
he had a bunch of old boats, so I just kind of had hand-me-downs for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was real lucky. I got a, a Fort Rich moose permit um, when I was uh, 12 years old. Oh, and nice. I, I had passed my bow hunting safety thing that uh, that spring with a 42-pound recurve and uh, uh, aluminum arrows with, like, big heavy wickies on the end. Nice. And, uh and we hunted, we hunted hard, man. We hunted a lot of days, like a lot of after school days every weekend and eventually got a, got a moose there. Um, and that was kind of the first big game animal. I think it was either that, either that summer before that, or the, it must've been the summer after that, that I got my first caribou up on the Dalton highway. And then we did that every year for, until I went to college and even home in summers in the college a little bit. Oh, nice. So that was kind of our and a lot of moose hunting around here, you know, I grew up in Eagle River, so there's lots of opportunities. So that was kind of the, kind of the start of things. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy how like, you know, certain young, young experiences impact, you know, I mean, I've always loved shooting a bow since I was a little kid, but, uh, my dad would always drag me along with him hunting and, uh, and down where, when I grew up in Colorado, but I, like, I never even got a shot at a big game animal. And then, once I, and I always liked shooting, shooting rifles too, but, uh, once I, you know, after moving up here, I shot my first moose with a rifle and I was like, man, if you want to kill stuff, this is how you do it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I got, I don't know. And I got, for sure. in, I got involved in a lot of competitive shooting over the years. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, I'm just kind of in a weird, a weird place where I like, you know, some guys that's like. And you know, like you, like that's your passion, man. Is all, I I think I have too many passions because I like shooting stuff with a rifle almost as much as I like shooting it with a <laughs> with a stick bow. So it's like I don't know. I'm a little conflicted sometimes. I spread myself pretty thin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with that. I hear you. You know, I uh, when I was 18, I lived in uh, in Germany for a year with a professional hunter, and we hunted like you know. Well, not quite seven days a week, but pretty close yeah. throughout the year because there's the seasons there kind of overlap. And of course, Germany is um, there's no bow hunting allowed there, mm. and uh, and so that was kind of a I, I had never I don't think I oh I had shot I shot a sheep with a rifle prior to that. That was the only thing I'd ever shot with a rifle, and, and I was like I was like kind of felt weird about that because I had brought my bow and I, I, it was like this other weird thing. But I had never other than that I'd never shot a gun at, a, at an animal, and. Um, and it was a really great experience. I learned a ton. You know, we hunted so much, but uh, and I enjoy the fire, firearms are cool. Um, it's fun to shoot, but yeah. I was just came home and I was like, man, I feel so lucky that I'm allowed to do this. Like, yeah, there's so many places where you can't. And uh, and I just kind of and you know and you know my dad still shoots a moose um, every year, every other year with a rifle because you know it's the way better way to fill the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit more consistency, you know, in that. But like I said, guy, uh, there's plenty of guys that commit to it, man, that that uh, it doesn't really, you know, it has some effect and you have to spend more time. But uh, guys still get it. You know, there are guys out there that still get it done every year, every year with, with traditional equipment. And uh, I just, that's yeah, pretty freaking cool. You've killed a pile of goats with your, with your, your bows, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I think, I mean, yeah, I was going to say between us, but this is obviously isn't between us, but I think, 
I think goats are, are like made for, for bow hunting. I mean, there's, there's not too many animals that are easier to get bow yeah. range of. I mean, you, you know, we, be able to get yeah, the you, country you, where they live. You say between us you, and everyone listen to the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. That's what I'm laughing, <laughs> okay. I'm laughing about. I like, we got to clarify but, this. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to sound flip about it, but I mean, like, I mean, the goat hunting for sure is, is a, is a, you know, it's, it's hard work and, but I don't want to take away from anybody's accomplishments or anything, but man, like they're, they're ideal bow hunting animals. I mean, basically with a rifle hunt, um, and I have gone rifle hunting with, you know, gone with other people to get goats with a gun. I mean, as soon as you find them, basically, you know, you got your goat yeah. when you find the one you want. And with a bow, you know, the terrain they live in is so conducive to being able to you know sneak up in the ridges and the cliffs and stuff where, you know, like the, you can get real close without being seen and they're pretty forgiving of noise. Cause I think they're yeah. just used to a lot of, a lot of rocks falling. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, I think they're just, you know, it's, you know, kind of based on if you're comfortable in that environment, you know, kind of maybe hanging it out above the cliffs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, goats are just awesome animals to do kind of close range hunting. And so I've just, I, you know, I, I just think they're, they're awesome animals to hunt. And I, and I do enjoy the meat. Um, and so I, I feel like, they're they're great great animals to go after. I've been real lucky with goats. I've also gotten my butt kicked quite a few times by goats. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, it's definitely not something, especially bow hunting them um, or with a stick bow. If you're probably if you're afraid of heights and steep stuff, it's not your stick. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, that's true. You definitely I, I and I always say, especially because I do it almost always by myself, that uh, you know don't take any chances. It's never worth it. You don't go out there. And then, I mean, I, I, you know, that like cognitive dissonance you deal with yeah. when you're in the mountains and you're like, I, there's no way I'd go out there. And then the goat goes in that spot and you're like, oh, but you know, no, it's just that one little spot there. I have to get around to that one little spot there. Yep. It's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to get yourself in trouble. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever, uh, you know, and I, my goat hunting experience is pretty limited. Have you ever had any of those classic, like, uh, get stuck after dark, having to rope your rope your pack and your goat down cliffs, you know, and you know any any like real hair raising experiences you've had doing that? I'm sure you have some. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I am pretty, I am pretty cautious. You know, I'm almost always by myself, and uh, and I try. You know, I always, I pretty much always hunt with my whole. I break camp every morning, put everything in my pack, and I pretty much always have all my stuff with me. Yeah. So on the rare occasion that I get stuck up in a place I don't like, I usually have enough stuff to be like, you know, pretty comfortable. Yeah. I've got a sleeping bag. At least least I have room to like drip a tarp over me or something. So I've had a few of those. Um, The sketchiest one probably was um, the first goat I ever killed was uh, in like mid to late November. And uh, I had been following the same Billy like, all, all day and you know, you're kind of getting into the rut a little bit then so they're yep. starting to act a little differently i think and um i was basically just kind of following him all day and i got you know within 50 yards of him a couple times but um didn't get a shot he he saw me one of those times and kind of kind of got him spooked a little bit where he started moving more than he was and uh i was working the top of this like pretty pretty knifey little ridge but the snow makes it all feel like i'm, I'm really comfortable on ridges in the snow i think i spent so much time on my skis on knifey ridges that yeah i'd way rather be up there in snow than on rock yeah <laughs> and i had crampons and an ice axe and um 
I thought he had just taken left the country, but there was this one shoot that um, I thought I'd missed him because I could, but I couldn't see any tracks coming across the face where I thought he'd gone below me. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, what the heck? You know, I got to go down anyway and find a place to put up my tent." So um, I decided I'd I'd kind of downclimb the shoot um, with my crampons and axe and like kind of front pointing at times. And I got down and I was like, man, I don't see the tracks. I saw tracks coming from my left into this chute and I didn't see anything off to the right out of it. And I could look, I was like, man, he's got to be in here somewhere. And, uh, and I mean, I was making a ton of noise, you know, can't be quiet on ice snow. (laughs) And, uh, and I came out and I I knocked an arrow just thinking that maybe he had to be in this one spot. There was nowhere else he could be where I wouldn't be able to see him. And assuming that he was like, not there at all, but just in case. Yeah, yeah. And there he was, like eight yards away, just oh, like man. staring at me broadside, kind of trying <laughs> to figure out what the heck was coming down the chute above him. And uh, so I got an arrow off, and it was a good shot. And he, uh, uh, he, I just traversed straight away from me, and um, somehow wedged himself into this, like under this one cliff and above this other one, on this little prow of like wind drifted snow, mm-hmm. like where he like was like straddling it with like his legs on his side and that's where he died jeez and um he's only like i mean i have pictures of like the blood trail going across it's pretty crazy and um i was like and it was probably had two hours till dark i'm like well this is a bit of a pickle so um i couldn't follow exactly the path he took but i eventually made it my way up to him and uh he was like i mean he was like right above this like fairly large cliff and i'm kind of hanging out there with him and but there was like a snowshoot that he had crossed that was probably like, I don't know, not more than 30 feet away from where he was. And it was like a clean, smooth, hard snow ramp all the way to like a pretty mellow, like valley mm-hmm. that was covered in snow. And I was like, man, I'm going to like make such a mess out of this thing and out of myself trying to butcher him here, trying to cut him up here. So I just, I took my ice axe and I cut like a, I cut like a little ledge basically yep. that I knew I could have good footing on. And then I just grabbed the horn and grabbed the ice axe in the other hand. And, uh, you know, you know, you've dealt with those things. They're pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, but um, there was enough friction with that heavy hide that he wasn't like I was holding his full weight. You know. Yeah. And I just kind of dragged him across that thirty feet until and it was a bit. It was it was a bit nerve wracking, but um, to the point where I could. I figured if I fell, I could just let go of him. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I didn't, and I was able to get him lined up and then just let him go. Nice. <laughs> he just slid about fifteen hundred feet and just kind of came to a pretty gentle stop and then i had a nice flat spot to deal with them and uh spend the night <laughs> nice yeah that's uh they that usually for a minute though <laughs> yeah no they usually don't come to very gentle stops it seems like <laughs> oh man no i have i have one that got just a crap beat out of them i didn't even i didn't, never even took pictures of it's like of its face because its nose was all broken and I, I just felt kind of bad about it <laughs> yeah well and that's kind of, it's kind of a, almost an ironic thing about goats is you know physically they're i think they're a lot tougher animal than a sheep is but oh, but dude, they're yeah. uh, but their faces their their faces are so fragile and they don't have any like you know like yep. she, a sheep's horns will kind of protect their face a little bit if as they're rolling down a hill mm-hmm. you know you don't want anything to roll if you don't have to but that that stuff just happens yep. sometimes oh i totally agree man and i agree with you on how tough they are like they are um they are my nemesis as far as like clean you know just like 
you know, arrow goes through the animal and walks off and dies. Like that one first one. Yep. I was like, oh, this is great. And every goat I've shot after that, I've only shot three other goats with my, with my recurve longbow, but all the other three all were like, I was like, this thing is invincible. I can't understand yeah. <laughs> what's going on here, but I put arrow after arrow that I think are good shots. And part of it is their anatomy is tough. You know, their yeah. lungs are lower and way further for- forward than you'd think. And, you know, a, a, a lung shot on a on a deer or something is a gut shot on a, on a goat. I think the diaphragm real far forward relative to their to their leg bone. So actually, yeah, it, it's a good thing to talk about. If you ever um, and you you've been there, you know, if you cut up a goat and you um, you skin them down and leave leave that front quarter attached and just look at them from the side. Yeah, I mean that like elbow. If it if that elbow is in position, I mean that elbow is like almost you got like two ribs maybe, yeah. depending on the goat, but on a, on an old Billy, you know, two, maybe three ribs behind where their elbow would be if they were like kind of flexed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that you, it's so, you know, you shoot, you know, six inches behind the front shoulder where that front shoulder mass is. And that could be a through and through gut shot, I think. Wow. Yeah. So that, that could explain. It's really, that. really yeah. miscalculated. Yeah. That could explain. Some I think of that it does. I mean, the last, yep. It does, and I I tell myself that you know over and over again, and I still, you know how it, I, I still like this year's goat. I thought he was just dead, 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 and uh, and he still I still had to get another arrow in him. Um, I shot him in the evening, and the next I had, you know he bedded down, and I was like, oh for sure he's going to be dead tomorrow morning. Get the binoculars on him, his heads up. It's like, what Jeez. the heck? And he had an exit wound, like in the ex, the arrow was was quartering was quartering away from behind. It entered the rib cage, but but like the very last rib, yeah, and came out like he, he like came out through the front quarter where like most of the blood from the exit wound was coming like down kind of his elbow, yeah, and oh. uh, like his whole front quarter was just soaked in blood. I was like any other animal that you know would have gone a hundred yards. I was confident that as soon as I you know, I gave him an hour anyway, and that as soon as I peered over the ridge, I was above these cliffs, that I just see his body, you know, down in the down in the valley below. Yep, and. uh Dude, there and the one before that, same deal. Like I, you know, I think it was mostly a lot of use, a lot of error on my part, just miscalculating, and I know mm-hmm. better. But it's so hard to not just focus on that spot, you know, behind the shoulder. And I, I just I've blown it multiple times. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Definitely something to keep in mind. I know it sounds similar to like what a lot of those that African game is like. Where they're like, if you free, if you put shoot, yep. you know, if you shoot them behind the shoulder, said like you're, it's total gut shot. A lot of times. Yep, yep, I, yeah, and I've heard people say that about um, about African game, like true animal and mountain goats having a um, similar anatomy in that way. And you know, if you look at, um, have you read that book, um, Beasts of the Color Winter? It's a book by a mountain goat biologist. No, I don't think I have read that one, but I now, but now I need to. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, but they talk about the like the ancestry of goats, and they're more closely related to true antelope genetically than like any animal in North America. Like they, there's really the only thing in North America that's even closely related to a goat, in my, my understanding, are um, muskox, mm. and to a lesser degree the. Um, the antelope, what we call antelope that live in the lower 48 that aren't, you know, true antelope, like African antelope, as far as I understand it. Um, but they have a lot in common with certain, you know, like, like New Zealand tar or sorry, Himalayan tar and like yeah. Tammy are pretty close. Huh. 
but they, they, they diverged from the antelope family is my, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what I remember. And, uh, and their anatomy definitely, definitely is different than like any other animal I've ever hunted by far. Yeah. That's, it's weird, man. They're weird critters. And I don't, you know, I've never understood that cause it always, I don't know. It seems like that, you know, cause you know, I've heard that a lot that they, they are more closely related to antelope, but it's like, I don't, at the same time, I'm like, man, they look like a, like a, a farm. They look like a goat. They act like a goat. <laughs> they, they smell like a, far, they smell like a farm goat. Like I, so I don't, I don't know totally what the right. answer is. I agree. <laughs> so, but it's, yeah. I agree. And that made me, made me, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, I've, it's something that I've always thought was interesting and kind of wondered about because, because, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, looks like a goat, smells like a goat, acts like a goat, like they're cantankerous as all get out like farm goats can be, you know. <laughs> it's just weird, you know, but they're, yep. they're super cool animals. Definitely, definitely like the toughest physically toughest animal i think that i've hunted um you know and it's just something yep, about that I it's agree. almost like disbelief even shooting them with a rifle sometimes like you know it's like they just don't want to give up the ghost and everything's slow yep. it's not like they're it's not like an elk or something that you shoot and they or a white tail you shoot and they take off running um you know it's like it's like a slow methodical like will not give up type of animal <laughs> <laughs> oh man i totally agree and i that's been my experience too is that they are super tough and i think adds to that the fact that um the anatomy is real tricky so i think a lot of us are overconfident in our shot placement and uh like i'll send you pictures sometimes i have a picture of a goat that you know looks like he should have been dead and that's the picture's taken four days after the arrow hit him and it is like it looks like it's like right right in the pot like i would have called it like a 10 ring man and, um the, they, but I think I think on that shot the mistake was um, that I hit him. You know, a, a same thing as with where like a you know a long shot behind the shoulder is almost a gut shot. Yeah, uh, a mid mass. You know, like on a deer you shoot kind of like I, I typically might you know kind of pick a spot. You know, mid mass or maybe mm-hmm. slightly below mid mass. Yep. And I feel like if you did that on a goat and then you're a hair high, you're barely making it under the spine because they have that that giant hump, you know, that yep. the, the spinous processes are like six inches tall on an old billy or eight inches tall. And his rib cage, you know, like the heart is, you know, pretty close to the, to the belly. You know, you want to be like a third up from the belly. I feel like is like it, it, way, way better than a half. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense. Well, it's similar to, you know, stuff like, like a bison or something like that, that just has a huge hump or even moose, you know, like there's yep. a lot yep, of, like, totally. de- there's a lot yep. of dead zone up high that, that you just don't think about. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that makes total sense that, that even, even with a rifle, man, you know, shots that maybe a touch far back that you think should be double lung shots aren't. So it takes them a long time to die. I don't know, you know. Yep. Well, I think most of us grow up with that, like, you know, learning that meat saver kind of shot, right? You know, yep. you tuck your bullet or your arrow in behind the front shoulder and mid, so you, all you you know, all you do is damage a couple of ribs. I mean, I know my dad like would always be sad if our arrow or whatever hit the opposite shoulder, you know? Yeah. You lose a lot of meat that way. And uh, and so we all learn that, and I think we take that to, like like you said, animals like uh, goats or or bison and it's pretty easy to or bears by doing what you've always done although although bears are kind of the opposite where you you know you do want to aim a little farther back than you would think but uh 
you know what I what it, what seems like a lot of I see I've seen several people seem like on bears they tend to shoot farther for you know sometimes too far forward if it's uh, if they're you know if they're quartering away got their front leg forward or something like that a little bit you know mm. I've um, seen a couple bear where people shot tucked it right behind the shoulder and it only got like maybe the front of one lung or no lung. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I haven't really hunted bears much. It's, all, it's been on my list of things to do, but um, that, that's interesting. I've heard that before. Yeah, and it's uh, there, and they've got some. You know, they've got some weird stuff. Like I, year before last, I lost a grizzly bear that I shot with a stone, a stone arrowhead. Um, and all it was, oh, wow. I was sure, I was sure it hit him right in the heart. Um, it, I, I had three point long story short had three points couldn't you know i can't really practice with them so i matched up the weights with steel points and practice with those and, yep, and yep. you know now that i've shot all three of those stone arrows um they seem they fly great but a little bit lower than my steel points for some reason and uh I don't, <laughs> the shot this two years ago the shot on this grizzly bear felt i'd already shot a, a, a big black bear um right through the heart and it zipped through him and killed him fast and i've never seen a blood trail like that on a bear but uh wow that's so cool yeah it was some serious carnage and then this grizzly bear came in broadside you know drew shot and the arrow just like dropped out of the sky and hit him low it hit him i've watched the video a thousand times and it still looks like a heart shot to me um but just low, and initially I'm like, "Ugh, that's low." But I think I got him in the heart, and he ran off. And I'm like, "Well, it gave him a little bit." I'm like, "Well, he's got to be dead," and it was just pouring blood for a hundred yards. And then gradually, like the last blood I found was at three quarters of a mile. Um, and I knew wow. I, I knew after a couple hundred yards, if he wasn't dead there, he what it wasn't going to kill him. I didn't hit his heart, and uh, but it, the arrow yeah. went the arrow went all the way through him. Um, it was. Huh. It had stuck in him when he ran off, and then the brush, it was laying in the trail about 30 yards down the trail. The alders had, had grabbed it and yanked it all the way through him, the rest of the way through. So I had, you know, complete penetration, but it just, it was just a weird thing. And I've talked to, you know, talked to, I think it was Jeremy Rusink had told me he lost a bear like that once, or and it, just like an armpit shot, basically, where you think it's in the heart, but it's not. Um that was just a weird huh. example. But you I think did, it was too far forward. No, nah, well, I think it was. It was just a, a little low. You know, I th- I think. Okay. It was. Yep. It, it was. You know, and I guess that was kind of misleading because I was talking about forward and back. But. Uh, oh no! It was. Yeah, I get it. It was just a weird one of those weird shots that I thought was ab- like absolutely he should be dead and he wasn't dead. I got pictures of him like a week later. Um, but uh, huh. yeah, it was pretty 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 crazy i did end up killing one last year so that was that was kind of redeeming and now i mean not that not that the stone arrowheads didn't do their job it was just a little stressful so <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to just using regular stuff again <laughs> now are you using obsidian heads no they were uh uh they're made out of flint oh, danish flint um the guy that made them for me was oh, like wow is a uh, long time like i mean been flint napping since the 60s and um was ba- you know basically worked on a lot of archaeology projects and would go would look be able to look at stone tools and and points and blades and stuff and figure out like how and that was part of his job i think was was figuring out how people made these 
like the tools and methods they used to mm-hmm. make them. And so, you know, I had helped him and a buddy on a moot on, um, kind of helped them out on their DIY moose hunt up here. And, uh, they, oh, cool. they, uh, agreed to, or he agreed to make, we came up with this cockamamie idea shooting a grizzly bear with one. So, and he's telling me about, you know, all the, all, all the, so I think he said he's killed a dozen or more elk with them with stone points. And, uh, and we're talking about this and thought it'd be a, came up with the idea and he said he'd make me three points. So he did. And they were, they're flint and it's, it's a different kind of point. Um, they're, uh, they don't feel like they don't, they're not shaving sharp, like a steel. They don't feel sharp, but I guess that flint, it's like, it breaks off at the, at the molecule level. So that it's in, in effect, it's a very sh- extremely sharp, but irregular edge. And, uh, yeah, definitely had zero problems with, pen- with penetration. I mean, to get my draw length is long enough. I had to get, to get my arrows to spine. I had to get like these fancy hardwood 34 inch shafts and they're, the arrows weigh about 900, right. 950 grains. But, uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it <laughs> definitely, they, they did their job and it, uh, it caused some catastrophic, you know, just catastrophic bleeding. <laughs> huh. That's really cool. I, I, that's super neat. I would love to check that out sometime. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it was, it was definitely, I'm, I'm glad I, glad I did it. And now moving on, I'm like building muzzle loaders and stuff like that. So <laughs> I always got my, got my toes in too much, but, uh, and I was going to ask you too, cause you, you'd mentioned you, you had, um, not too long ago killed a sheep with your, with your longbow, I got. I'm trying to like filter through all my questions. I got a lot. Oh yeah. Are you the guy that? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was Jeremy who told me. Are, I can't remember who was telling me about a guy who drew the. Well, I don't know if it was the Cluton tag or one of those tags down there, and uh, like was telling them that, oh man, I, I keep getting close to sheep, but I like they they bust out. I can't get shots, and was whoever it was. I don't know if it was if it was you was getting like five yards eight yards and getting like too close and then trying yeah, to couldn't draw that was that, that you <laughs> that's that's me man i had i had an awesome experience with that but it, i had some serious frustration you on need that. Uh, you need to if your problem is getting too close to sheep you need to teach me something <laughs> <laughs> man that, i don't know what the deal is with um with the the hunt you know the sheep in that area they get they get um hunted quite a bit you know i think all those sheep have been educated over and over again yeah and uh man i i had a those rams just were i mean i know sheep can be pretty spooky in general mm-hmm. anywhere you hunt them but um you know and, and you tell me if this seems like kind of standard operating for sheep but i remember one day i was coming up a ridge and i knew there were some ewes and lambs in this one valley so i mm-hmm. kind of wasn't like being super careful because i knew there were some ramps on the other side and i was just trying to get in position before they made it up to their bed yep and i was kind of you know some kind of caught there the ewes and lambs were probably like i don't know half a mile below me and um out in this out in this moraine and so i was kind of keeping a low profile but occasionally i probably got silhouetted like slightly because i was kind of in a hurry to get to the other side and i looked down and i i just kind of something looks funny so i grabbed my binoculars and sure enough there's one ram down in that group and he's like this big dark kind of real cl- i never got a super good look at him but he was if he wasn't full curl he was darn close and um he the rest of them you know looked up once or twice and kept feeding 
I don't think he ever even looked my direction. He just knew something was up, and he took off, and you know, he huh. was still riding two miles later. He was still going, and the rest of them just kept feeding. They looked up at me, even when I told so I did myself crossing the ridge. They just kind of looked up, Weird. and I had that experience with those rams in there over and over again. They were like, you know, half a mile away. They would just be like super, super nervous, and um, and then not resume their normal behavior for you know a full three days after they'd been kind, wow. of, kind of bumped or encroached upon. And I did have, I had, I mean, I had so many. I, you know, I spent 19 days hunting it, and uh, and I passed up a couple of close shots because you know it's any ram in there. Yeah, and um, passed up a couple of close shots at some not. I really wanted to get a you know, a ram that would be kind of a legal ram anywhere. Yep. And, uh, I uh, passed up some kind of three quarter curls at real close ranges, which was really fun. And, uh, and then on the day that I, I had a couple other kind of sub 20 yard encounters that I just couldn't get a shot off. And a lot of like sub 40 yard encounters with some one, one was just a, just an absolute real, real nice sheep. Yeah. <laughs> like a well passable curl ram that I just couldn't, you know, I, I, there's, I've never, I've never shot a modern compound bow, but there was about two minutes of my life there. I really <laughs> wish I had one. <laughs> he was just hung up at like 40 yards. Oh, I man. didn't dare, didn't dare do it. But it was my own fault. I had made some, some critical mistakes that had led to him seeing me. I was a little impatient after thinking I was being really patient. But, uh, I had the day that I killed that one, I had, um, another, a pretty good Ram, uh, we kind of, I was running and trying to get in place and they were moving and it all just happened real fast. And he, uh, I, there was like a, a miracle clump of like of alders and I got in there just before that he pulled this group of rams he was with across in front of me and he, he came out, he, you know, I felt like I could touch him almost. And I was already drawing my bow because I thought he was coming and, uh, you know, I probably should have waited till he was past me so that yeah. I would have had, you know, at that distance, I think even with, even if he was turning, I would have got a good arrow into his chest. So I probably made the mistake there, but I thought I had real good cover. And so I was kind of at half draw as he opened up and I continued to draw my bow and, you know, I didn't even, I shoot, man, he was, he was like less than five yards from me Jeez. and I had my bow almost all the way back and he just reared back like a bucking Bronco. Oh, and, uh, you know, again, never looked at me, obviously just caught me out of his periphery. And, and then same thing, he like peeled back and then just kind of set up trying to figure out what the heck I was like 40 yards away, just stood there with the three other Rams in his group. Oh, and man. I just like laid on my back and I was about as close to crying as a guy could get. <laughs> like, my like, Oh, I can't. And I, you know, that was like, day 19 of like solo hunting you know with like two resupplies and uh-huh. i was uh i was just i mean it was awesome i, I was it was an, even if i hadn't ended up killing one later on i would have been just like the most amazing hunt but uh that was that was a tough one to swallow <laughs> oh i guess man like you're where you probably could have just half draw plucked him and <laughs> you know hindsight hindsight's yeah, 2020 did, um Oh, you know, how, and you know how you do that to yourself. You're like, I should have done something different. I should have done something, but you know, it's in the moment. Yeah, screw it up. So, I've, I've definitely made a lot more mistakes with animals up close than I have good decisions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's crazy, man. Well, how did how did it end up end up working that you got that one? 
Yeah, I um, I, I was uh, I was getting ready to make a big move. I was I was kind of right at the very edge of of the hunting area. I was way back where I hadn't really seen anybody else, and um, I uh, I thought I had kind of busted all the sheep in that zone. You know, you know how it is. Like once you stir them up a little bit, um, I feel like on all the different sheep hunting I've done, like the, your best chance is when you get them before they ever know you're in the area, yep. right? Yep. And then each sequential encounter, especially when you're trying to close those kind of like traditional boat distances, I feel like your odds are a little lower because they're kind of like a little more tuned in. Like, I don't know. And and I feel like it takes them a good, like I said, like any sheep, like three or four days before they like, of not being disturbed at all before they kind of get back to like, yeah, you know, feeding low in the meadows and like dropping into the brush and not just spending their whole day and like, really you know clipped out kind of escape terrain yep and so um i felt like i had kind of blown it after that i had spent the whole day before like you know i spent a lot of the day before within 100 yards of those sheep and i uh, just never gotten shot but they kind of they kind of you know and they never got me like wide open view but they knew i was around like, yeah but you know like when there's you know how it is like they kind of mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're they sense what's going on they got kind of a radar so, like, almost, yeah. this, this is yeah yeah and so I, I felt like oh, I've really blown it with these guys. I've been kind of following them all over the place for, you know, kind of camping wherever they end up each day for like five days. And I was like, and I had, I knew where there were some other ones that were like pretty far away, like, you know, a, a pretty long walk, another bike ride, and then a, um, a river crossing the way. But I knew that I figured it had been long enough since I'd bothered those ones. There was probably going to be where I'd stand my, make my last stand before yeah. that was over. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started for like the th- third time this day, I started uh, climbing out this ridge. And for like the third time that day, I had made it to the top before I saw, I saw a group of rams that I had, hadn't really, I'm not sure, but I think they're a group that I had seen like a month earlier, basically early on in this yeah. area that I didn't think were ever going to really be in, be in play. And they had, for whatever reason, were traversing the same face that I had been on earlier. And it looked like I had a safe way to get up it. And so I ran back down, like fell in the creek again, trying to get across and, you know, the usual sheep hunting, heck, to hurry. And, um, but I had good cover to get up to where they were. And, um, I scurried up this, um, this kind of shoot, this like dried up kind of creek. It was this like real steep little waterfall thing, but it had pretty good footing and it was like excellent cover, you know, it masked my sound and, it, you know, there's no way they could see me in there because it was like pretty steep walls. I dropped my back. And I just started just like redlining myself up this thing as fast as I could because I knew my my window was basically to get them at the top of that chute or they'd be out in this big open face where there was like no way I'd yeah. get bow range of them. And uh, I got up to the top of it and I peeked over the edge and I saw the back of a sheep at about 70 yards and uh, or so I guess. And I was like, okay, I need to keep moving. And um I think it turns out that one was a little was higher than the one that I killed. Um, it was it was a younger ram. It wasn't the bigger one. I killed the biggest one in the group, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I kind of misjudged. I was a little more aggressive than I probably would have been, which ended up being lucky. And I got to this little cut where this kind of scree slope ended, um, right as the lead ram, the one I killed, crossed above me at about twenty five yards. And uh, uh, this time I was like, he didn't see me. He was just kind of feeding along, kind of head uphill and um i got a nice quartering away shot on him and uh and that was that nice yeah i bet that felt good <laughs> it did yeah i mean 
Yeah, it did. It really did. You know, and I actually, I had this thought, like I told you in the email, that I was only going to kill, like, I only wanted to kill one or two rams in my life because I feel like there's not a lot of them. They get hunted a lot. I figured, you know, I'll get another ram and then I'll just go goat hunting for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, so I was like, and you know, there's always that sadness to kill my sheep, but I find it pretty sad. Or any of those, like, especially those cool mountain animals. Yeah. Like, they're so cool. And, and then they're just reduced to this pile of, pile of meat basically yeah so it was it was like pretty intense after all that time of chasing that chasing those guys it was it was pretty intense emotionally um, um but i did i i was pretty pretty darn excited it was it was pretty cool maybe because yeah. i had pretty much i had decided i was like confident there's no way i'm gonna get one you know this is over i've mm. blown all the chances that i'm gonna get and so i felt like it was real lucky you know it wasn't wasn't a lot of skill on my part where it finally came together it was just good fortune well, and being there spending well, a lot of time out there <laughs> yeah well i mean that persistence counts for a lot man whether you're bow hunting or rifle hunting or whatever but keeping after it you know like that you know the more chances and it sounds like you had a heck of a good like a good time like a lot of a lot of opportunities you know because like you just keep trying and trying and eventually something's going to work out, you know, and that's, that's freaking awesome to see. I, you, you're saying that I definitely know what you mean. After I kill, kill one, I kind of like, I, you know, I don't know if it's like, I mean, it's a bit of like sadness, but like, I guess the way it manifests in me is like, I like to look at them for like as long as I can just to like soak it up while they're still a sheep, you know, before they're a bunch yep. of meat in my backpack. Totally. <laughs> Oh, totally, totally. Oh, and, and then it's also your hunt's over. And like, yeah, the best exactly. Part about hunting, yeah. You know, like stuff. It's hunting, you know, and you're like, oh, man. In that case, I was done. I was out of time, so it was yep. like, pretty sweet. But <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's, uh, and it's, you know, someday I'd like to hunt, you know, I, I need to, what I, well, you got to put in for that tag to, to draw, but it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, like, because you hear, and you, with my experiences in certain spots you just wonder like how it's different other places and uh sometimes those sheep yep. are, sometimes you know from what i gather is like sometimes those sheep are doing stuff and in places that you can get more opportunities sometimes last year i know i was after the after the rams i was on um kind of just quit doing their routine they had been hitting a mineral lick um every day and it basically was a, it was just a perfect ambush spot. And when I figured it out, I ran down and was like, they were feeding towards me and at like 60 yards or they, yeah, they were like, was it 65 yards as I saw one's back and they were feeding towards me. And I'm kind of at the top of a bench and they, they would feed right up against that bench. And I thought they were going to get, I thought I was going to get a 30 yard shot and they kind of zigged when they should have zagged. So that didn't, uh, that <laughs> yep. didn't, and then I figured, you know, and I kind of blew them, spooked them, but they didn't blow out hard. So, um, and then my hunt kind of unraveled from there. But anyway, after they, after they like just up and decided to leave that, that spot, you know, I spent days chasing them around where there was just nothing you could do. I mean, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, man, if I was a ninja, yep. if I was a ninja, what would I do? And I couldn't figure it out, <laughs> you know, and yeah. Oh man, totally. Yep. Um, but yeah, and I think that's the key to all those mountain hunting things is like knowing when, especially with the bow is like knowing when to take your stab at it. Yep. And, and you know, a lot of, it just involves a lot, even with goats, you know, like so much time, just like, 
walking, keeping a low profile and watching them and trying to figure out like when you have a chance. Cause like you said, if you go on after them, you're eventually going to blow them, blow them into, you know, they're either going to be super spooky or they're just going to leave the zone. that's huntable. Yep. No. And, and what I've been told and I, you know, I have a ton to learn on, uh, cause it's a whole new world, you know, trying to get that close to them. Um, as you know, try and as the the advice I was given, and it seems to seems to be valid, is just you know to try and stay as close as you can to them without spooking them until they do something. Yep. So so you're ready to take the opportunity, and you're in position to take the opportunity yep. when they give it to you. Um, but yeah, I would agree with that completely. Yeah, yep. it's. Uh, and, and I hear you. I'm really curious. You know, I've hunted sheep um, a little bit in the brooks, and then like those a couple of Chugach hunts and, you know, my wife had a tag for a different spot. And, um, I don't, I'm really curious to see, I'd love to, I'd love to, you know, chase them in all the different mountain ranges. Ultimately, don't, but I, I my, my plans to like, to like kind of call it good on sheep or, or have woefully failed. I'm obsessing yeah. about going sheep hunting right now. Yeah. I you need to hunt goats at all this year. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I told you, you know, I mean like everyone, you know, is obviously like, free to you know should follow their own convictions but it's i don't there's not a shortage of sheep like there's you know you know about a pretty looking at the harvest statistics like it's a pretty consistent harvest and there's still you know it's it's not the hunters that affect their populations you know it's like weather and predation you know have the bit by far the biggest factors um and the rams were and the rams and the rams were taken you know, are pretty much past their, you know, past their prime or past their necessary years. I mean, I think they they start breeding when they're three or four or so, and so it's. I'm I'm no biologist, obviously, but uh, but it seems yep. like the way they have it set up, you know, that that taking the mature rams um, doesn't seem to have a negative effect on the population overall you know you may not have as many mature rams in an area if uh if they're getting clipped off but uh i definitely if you like yeah and you obviously do like sheep hunting um i i'd go for it man (laughs) yeah well i think the other thing that um you you know the goat hunting is uh, especially when you're hunting with a trad bow having like a lot of opportunities to yeah you know stock legal animals is like a big part of the fun you know like when I go goat hunting, you know, it's almost daily that I'll find at least one animal that's in a semi approachable spot because there's a lot of animals around. Right. Yep, and, yep. and like any, you know, I always try to, I've been lucky to get older billies, but you know, I'd love to add a, you know, 10 year old nanny to the, to, oh, heck to, yeah. the um, to, to the animals I've killed. And so, you know, there's a lot of opportunities and my experience with the sheep hunting is basically, like you said, the success rates are pretty high, you know, like, I mean, I've, Again, this is going to sound like maybe like a dumb thing to say, but I feel like the biggest challenge of rifle hunting with a sheep is finding illegal sheep, right? Oh, Once you find abs- illegal sheep, absolutely. I get most guys like, you know, 90%, you know, like, and if you're comfortable getting into those places, you know, I know plenty of, plenty of like mountain athlete types who aren't really hunters in other respects, you know, like yeah. they'd probably really struggle to fill a moose tag, but they'll, they're, they're, you know, they're super fit and they can hike in the mountains and they'll, they'll kill a sheep you know, without too much trouble. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, finding, so there's a, there's a lot of people out in the places you can like walk to, yeah. um, doing it and B, you know, it's, I think it'd be pretty easy to go a whole sheep hunt, um, and not find a legal ram. But, 
And if you do, like, there's probably a decent chance that somebody else has their eye on it and will probably shoot it before you get there with your, you know, with your recurve. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it definitely that that definitely comes into play. And I, I mean, and there's there's places where you can kind of get away with that, but even like you know, pretty good places, you're never going to have, you're never going to see near as many legal animals as you would goats. And you're going to have to walk a, usually yep. a hell of a lot farther between and your, your opportunities are going to be pretty limited. Like, I mean, last year I felt fortunate. I was pretty fortunate to be able to chase that same band around, um, reasonably unmolested, and undisrupted aside from me and really aside from bumping them a couple times and they knew I was there, you know, that really didn't bother them. Um, yep. And that yep. was, you know, so I was just pretty lucky to be on sheep or have sheep to go after most of the time. So that's, that's yeah, probably going to be totally. the biggest, the biggest challenge with getting and with getting with a rifle or a boat. Well, a bow brings a lot more challenges, but find yeah with a rifle finding the ram you want to kill is is the biggest challenge for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, I honestly, you know, you've done it a lot more than I have, but you know, on the, the handful of sheep hunts, I don't know, half dozen or so that I've done, I feel like it's honestly one of the easier animals once you find them. One of the easier animals to get with a with a gun. Yeah, I mean, the goats and sheep being the two easiest animals. Maybe blacktails. But um, but finding an old an old big black tail buck, I feel like is again once you find it, you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. They're technically not not difficult animals to like outwit if you you know if you know how to stay out of sight and can climb a little bit. You know, it's in your patient. Sometimes even with a rifle, sometimes you have to wait a couple of days for the right opportunity. Sure. But you can yep. usually you can usually make it happen. But different different story with the stick bow, but. uh which yeah, speaking of stick yep. bows, I know you'd mentioned your you know your your buddies with Tom Clum too, and uh, and uh, how'd you get yeah. to know how'd you get to know Tom? Well, I um, man, I had a lot of my work cut out for me with archery. You know, I learned from my dad, and my dad's kind of self taught. And you know, I'm I'm six feet tall, and I was like, I realized about five or six years ago that I was like my draw length was like. 25 inches or 26 inches yeah. and I, the more I read about it I was like oh man I am doing this all wrong and I had killed a bunch of stuff by then and I uh, continued to but you know I, I kept you do, I think like a lot of people I was like people would say how long is your draw length and I'd say 28 inches and then I finally started you know I was like like probably more like eight or nine years ago I realized that I was just a mess when it came to like archery mechanics yeah. and you know, I could make the arrows go mostly where I wanted to but you know, I, I was, I got to figure this out. So, um, I started doing whatever I could to figure out, uh, including some, like a lot of internet, um, searching. And I came across Tom and his stuff. And, um, so I think it was, it wasn't that long ago. I want to say 2018 in the spring, as soon as I was done with my, uh, ski guiding season, I arranged to go down and, um, spend like four days with Tom oh, in nice. Colorado. And, uh, I mean, it was just like, you know, at that point I had been reading his stuff and like, what's into that push podcast yep. and, um, had like learned enough that my draw length, you know, had expanded out to around, 
you know, incrementally it was like 27 inches or 20. And I was like, oh, I have a 28. And I was like, oh, actually, no, that's what I lined up. You know, I do all these videos of myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like 29. This was probably my draw length. And I was starting to, I thought I was starting to figure out, you know, how to hold my bow and what holding position was like. And, uh, and then I went down there and, um, you know, you, you've done that too. Is that right? You've worked with Tom in person. Yeah, I went so, down. I went down last, not this last December, but the December before, and spent like three days with him. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Base is awesome. the best. Best so you know decision. The oh yeah. <laughs> so he's like, you know, it was, it was like Mr. Miyagi. You know, like put the put your bow down. You don't even need a bow yet. You know, yeah. here's a string. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> play with a string, and then here here's the 15 pound bow. Yeah, and he, after like day two, he's like, you're allowed to shoot one arrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. See how it goes. So yeah. it, it was awesome. Oh, I totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was, that was like exactly what it was like, you know, it's like, all right, you know, the string and stretch band and, uh, and just, or he's like, you know, first, and I don't even think I hit a stretch band till like halfway through the first day, you know, he's like, I got you for three days, said, we're going, we're like, like, we're going to do everything. And, uh, and, oh, I was so like, I basically for, you know, had to just forget how to shoot a bow, you know, and, and start from scratch because, yep that whole system and way to shoot a bow, like you can't just pick what you like out of it. It like everything works together. And it, uh, I, I remember by, uh, was by the end of the second day, you know, it was, uh, how I was shooting my hunting bow again, but I shot so much that weekend. My fingers were bleed. Like I had huge blood blisters on my, on my, or a huge blood blister on my middle finger. And, uh, like, had to you know drain that and it's just tape and bl- blood everywhere <laughs> and, but uh oh, man. it was uh yep. i you know and, and, it, and it even once you learn that I've, i found when i came back home it was like it's it was, it was cycles of it's like a slowly degrading like sine wave it's like big cycles of of being like right in the shot and, and doing it right and then forgetting how to do it and like trying you know working back through and and yep evening things out but uh yeah no it was uh after learning all that you know like and you're probably the same way you look at like some of the you know videos of guys shooting or whatever and, and some sometimes a lot of times it's like it's like makes my shoulder hurt watching that like impingement or or you're <laughs> like man i wish like you yeah. I was like oh you got like another three inches of draw length and you you can, you can just tell you know once you i know you know but that that's pretty cool uh, yeah so true Tom's one of the like one of the best people I know. Like he he's become a really good friend and uh and he was actually yep. he, he videotaped me shooting that grizzly bear with the stone point last year. He was up here he was up here Oh to, no way. Yeah, That's he was awesome. up he was up here to black bear hunt and uh Oh yeah, yeah, he told me you did that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh I was I was bummed because like three days before he got here I had three big black bear boars working this bait. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to go smash one of these big bears the first night, come back, get another tag. and But, uh, like, the day before he got here, a big sow grizzly with three, like, adult cubs moved in there. And after that, it pretty much killed that bait for black bears for the season. Um, but he said, you know, oh, he huh. said he had, a, he, had a, he had a heck of a good time, and I certainly had a good time um, get, getting him up here and uh, – we were planning on having him come up again this spring. Uh, it's obviously looking like it may not happen, but uh, in yeah. in June. But if it does, I'll definitely let you know, and you may have to 
may have to make a burn up here. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be fun to see. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out this solid grip trigger thing, and uh, I was just talking to him. We had a nice conversation on Friday, I think. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's gonna make it up, probably, but um, sure, it'd be fun to hang out with him. Heck yeah, yeah. No, and it's, uh, and let me know also. You know, you know, after we're done, if you you have questions, setting up that he, we built one one of those like a crude prototype of it last June when he was up here. Um, they had just kind of started working on this, on that, and uh, I finally have the final iterations, and I had to do a couple modifications because I have that same problem where I can't, like, feel the, I can't feel them click because my, my palm's too, like, squishy or meaty or whatever, but there's been a couple things I've done that that really help with that um, that I can line you up on. Oh, I, man, that's 100% my my problem right now so we should talk about it afterward but i that is 100 percent what i have the size small in my longbow and i can't feel it for the life of me yeah it's uh you know part partly positioning and for me i i started out i had them way too high and uh and on mm. on one of my bows i have the little round one and then on the other one i have a medium one what i had to do and and you know being involved for such a long time i just got some parts sent up here and i put them together and uh mm-hmm and what I did and may help you or some people was I, I took, and you know, like, if you peel the thing apart, um, I took a couple of, uh, pieces of toothpicks basically and shaved them down to about half. So they had, so they had flat sides and hot melt glued them under the ends of those clickers. And basically like it bridges the clicker across those. So it's a more positive click. Mm-hmm. And I can feel, I can okay. feel, I can feel it a lot better and actuate it a lot better. Cause I mean, that, that was my problem for a while. As soon as, you know, I got the, uh, like the, the la- latest iteration of those clicker buttons is, is I just couldn't feel it. Like when it would click in my fat palm, you know, I just couldn't, couldn't feel it. And then, Same, yeah. and, and that's going to cause a ton of problems if you can't like absolutely know when you feel it click. Cause then you're going to wonder, did it click? Did it not click? Um, so that's something, that's something I did and I can shoot you a picture or something of how I, how I modified mine and, and, uh, yeah. and it, it really is working, is working really well for me now. Um, and that, you know, once you get that, then you're just fiddling with position. And sometimes, I mean, especially if it's the first time setting one up, I would, uh, I mean, even, I wouldn't even stick it on permanent for a couple weeks because, you know, day to day, sometimes you're grit and you got to. Like I've had to like work on my grip consistency and all that because if your grip isn't the same, it's mm-hmm. not gonna it's not gonna run the same. So it's kind of a process, but yep. man, when it when you get it working right, it is flipping sweet. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, I'll keep you posted. I'll, I'll talk to you later too. And, yeah, uh, Tom was gonna want me to talk to him today, so well, uh, that's great. I appreciate the help. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, anytime, but. Uh, we probably better. Probably uh, is your kid still your kid still napping? <laughs> yeah, my wife got him for a little oh, bit. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, it's uh, um, I probably better get better get running too. But man, I really appreciate you taking the time. I think we left plenty of plenty of stories on the table. Uh, um, been great, get, great getting to know you a little bit better and uh, catching up. And I definitely look forward to look forward to talking to you again. Likewise, Tyler. It was really fun. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, everybody, it's uh, uh, Paul, P- Mr. Paul Forward, an actual doctor, not like Frank, my buddy. But, uh, 
<laughs> anyway, yeah, man. Uh, like I said, yeah, I appreciate appreciate the stories, and it's been great talking to you. Yeah, super fun, man. Thank, thanks for the time. Yeah, no problem. Um, hope everyone uh, enjoyed this episode of Tundra Talk. If you if you like the podcast, uh, appreciate if you would leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And if you have any questions, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. Thanks. <laughs>